Hello and welcome to the Scottish Fantasy Football Community Podcast. My name is Thomas. And I'm Harry. And this is the second week of our game weekly series where we review last weekend's fantasy football with regards to both just our teams and how teams played. Um, we'll then be discussing discussing our watch list for players that we're potentially thinking of bringing in and if not bringing them in now, keeping an eye on to see if they keep on performing. Then doing a quick game week preview of players that we want to bring in for the week coming up, just potentially based on fixtures and how they have performed as well. Then finally we will be discussing some tips on how to deal with rotation of players in fantasy football and then finally answering our listener questions perfect so thomas do you want to kick us off with your uh, game week review how did you get on this week so i scored 51 points which isn't anything to go home and tell your parents about but it's not something i'm going to be spending having sleepless nights about i had good returns from mckenzie who scored 10 points. I had Welsh and my vice-captain Boyle scored me 16, which was very nice. Uh, Tavernier Blank wasn't the greatest and then three one-pointers is also disappointing for me. Yourself, Harry? Uh, all things considered, that being a captain Tav and vice-captain Kent Blank, uh, I actually finished the game week with a very respectable 62 points. Um, my stars of the weekend were uh, Aberdeen wing-back McKenzie, um, scoring 10 points. Full-back for Hibbs McGinn, scoring 11. I think he contributed with a clean sheet and an assist. Boyle getting himself 11 points. And uh, soon-to-be fantasy football Scotland darling uh, Boyce registering 12 points. So that actually left me with four double-digit point hauls. Um, and on the flip side of that coin was very disappointed to see not only a captain blank but a vice captain blank too and that's actually the second time in a row for Kent so I'm really having to start questioning him as my vice captain pick I think I'll probably be moving him not maybe not him but I'll definitely be moving the vice vice captaincy armband off of him and then not quite as disappointing but still kind of poor was uh, Anik returning me no points this week so he didn't keep a clean sheet last week didn't keep a clean sheet this week and in fact kept uh scored zero points for me and then play Celtic in the upcoming game week so not exactly expecting big things from him and then Ramsey scoring one point but when I brought in McKenzie and Ramsey at the start of the season I knew there was going to be a bit of rotation risk which we'll talk about later so I was happy to incur that and overall yeah very successful game week that's good to hear so shall we move on to our results recap so the first game week, a game of the game week, provided us with the biggest upset. Uh, Dundee United ended Rangers' 40-game undefeated streak with a 1-0 victory, for which they were very good value. It was definitely not smash and grab by any means. Uh, they were very equitable with regards to chances and shots created. And Rangers just really did not look at it, which after three results, consecutive per results, two losses to Malmo, and one away and one at home, and then a loss against Dundee. Things were looking a little bit shaky at the start of the season for Rangers. However, I'm yet to really add anyone to the watch list from Dundee United. But I am keeping an eye on them. They really turned their performance around from the sort of dismal display against Aberdeen. So, eyes on them. Thomas, what did you think? Rangers looked good in their first game against Livingston. So... 
don't really know what's going on here with these three losses. They had a fantastic chance to get into a very good spot with regards to Champions League playoffs. They were up 2-1. No, they were drawing on aggregate 1-0 up at home and up a player, but then bottled it in the next 45 minutes. And then the loss to Dundee United would be pretty concerning considering how slow and lethargic Dundee United looked against Aberdeen last weekend. But... Yeah. Uh, in addition to this, Rangers have actually recorded no big chances against Dundee United, which is making that, that's the thing that's making me really con- reconsider Kent as vice captain. That's very worrying. But I'm sure with a manager like Steven Gerrard and the levels he expects from his players, we'll see them improve. So I'm not exactly going to start papping the Rangers players at my team. Anyway, section the second fixture of the game week was uh, Hearts versus Saint Mirren. Um, Hearts one two one, and that puts them. Uh, joint top of the league behind on goal difference um, with two wins from the opening two matches and yeah my, the, at this point in time the watch list is um, rife with uh, Hearts players they look very good going forward and a lot of value picks Thomas do you have your eye on anyone at the moment from Hearts? Um, maybe not bringing him in this week just due to funds not being there but definitely keeping my eye on Boyce he has been top class for Hearts so far then in defence you have both Smith and Cochran who we released a thread last week I think it was yeah. about the wing backs and both of them featured and both of them are relatively budget friendly. I am waiting a little bit though on Hearts defensive assets for a fixture swing which there is in a week or two or so um, or their first clean sheet and want to see them solidify at the back a little bit so hopefully Cochran, not Cochran, Kingsley returns soon and maybe we'll see some solidity there. From a personal perspective, uh, Anik is really starting to give me cause for concern. I don't necessarily. I'm not necessarily rushing to get him out of my team. I think I need not waste transfers in goalkeeper, seeing as the pri- the point ceiling on those is quite high, uh, quite high, quite low. And I think my transfers can be better spent elsewhere. But if this form continues, I am going to move off him because uh, you are wanting your goalkeeper to consistently keep points, uh, keep bringing you in points as the season goes on. Anything worth mentioning on uh, Saint Mary and Thomas? Um. Potentially something for discussion in the watch list in a bit is again is again with regards to the wing backs. We didn't actually put him in the thread, but Tanzer is someone who likes to get forwards. But with regards to how shaky Saint Mirren looked yeah, I, defensively, I, it's, I'm just not even thinking of going there really. He made the shortlist when I was considered when I was like planning the thread, and then I cut him off it just because Saint Mirren looked poorly. Put looked poor in defence, and then I was sort of vindicated after the performance at the weekend. Anyway, on to the next game: Celtic versus Dundee. Well, Celtic looked very well worth their six goals. I think if that's the first time I've seen a six niller where, or like a six goal game where the XG has justified all six goals. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think Furuhashi too. He got three. Should have had six himself. Again, another player who was fantastic was Ryan Christie. Um, the problem with jumping on all these Celtic assets is. Just like Rangers, they're a team who I believe will be wanting to be competing on four fronts. So we'll be dealing with rotation, but we'll be talking about that in a bit. I would say Furuhashi does look nailed. Yes, to the striker spot with what looks like Edward either leaving soon or wanting to leave and Postacoglu wanting his own players to play in his own system. Furuhashi at £5.5 million in midfield is a fantastic buy for a striker. Yep, I agree. Um, so the only one that's left, so you had 
Christie with three assists, uh, and I think he created something ridiculous, like eight big chances. So he looked absolutely excellent. He got a 10.0 rating on our sofa score for the performance he put in over the weekend. The last one, I mean, I have a few. The last sort of midfielder or attacker that I'm keeping an eye on is definitely going to be Liel Abada. Uh, he contributed a goal and assist and played well against Jablonitz too. He also looks like he's being favoured by Postacoglu as one of his own players. And he's had a very bright start. So all eyes on him. Um, finally, yeah, Ralston and Taylor definitely got our eye on him as well. Uh, on the both of them, maybe favouring Ralston based on the fact that he's more than a million pounds cheaper. And he scored twice. Exactly. Um, on to the next game. We have, oh, before we go on to the next game, I mean, it's just briefly worth touching on Dundee FC. I've still got Adam on the watch list just because he takes set pieces and they look so good from set pieces last week, but they look abysmal. Yeah, it looked, it looked like Celtic were playing the under-12s team this weekend, or last yeah. weekend. Is it too soon to triple up on Celtic Celtic assets, one defender, two mids, or two de- two defenders and one mid? I'd hold off until after the old firm. I'd prote- if you're wanting to have a triple up, maybe hold on to the transfer that you would be making to get that triple up, and then use it for once the old firm has passed, and then you can ju- sort of manoeuvre to whether you want to have a Rangers triple up or a Celtic triple up based on the result that weekend because that could really swing the momentum to one end of Glasgow to the other Fixture 4 of game week 2 so Hibs uh, welcome Ross County to Easter Road um, Doidge replaced Nisbet in the starting lineup, who took a knock to the disappointment of many fantasy football squad managers myself included Doig also came in for Stevenson, so that knocked off Stevenson, who had previously been on the watch list at 2.5 million left back. Doig being back in, back in contention, makes me not keen. Um, but yeah, overall, Hibs looked fantastic. Um, some very reasonable, very good uh, analysis from Sports Scene was talking about the Hibs style of play and how they are actually being very good at recycling possession and building attacks from both sides of the pitch, um, being able to knock it around very well, and all of their. There's no long balls into the box, like hit and hope type thing. All of the build-ups and attacks look very measured, with a lot of players getting involved. Someone who does stand out, uh, other than the Boyle, Boyle, obviously, for me was McGuinness. That's the second time uh, in two weeks that he's provided the goal. It looks like even... My guess is that he'll be keeping Allen out of the side, even when fit. And at 3.4 million, he could be a snip, maybe up to 3.5 now. He looks great. Anything to say about Ross County, Ross County, Thomas? For just now, avoid. Yeah, they kind of they looked a little bit like the team I expected them to be. Did not look great. Nah, especially with Malky Mackay coming in only a few weeks ago, yeah. and with how thin their squad is and how many transfers they've had to recently bring in. Yeah. And I think the cherry on the top of the icing on top of that cake is not only is it new manager, all these new transfers. Hibs were the start of a, the first fixture in a five-game run, which I consider to be the most difficult. I think they play... I think uh, they play both old firm teams. They play... Do they play Hibs and Hearts and Aberdeen? Yep. That's so it, that's, that's five it. of the top six teams in the league, so... Avoid for now. Strong avoid. Would you triple up? I mean, I guess a similar question to my uh, Celtic. You know, I've, I've a Celtic question. I've got Boyle and I've got McGinn. Would you consider tripling up on Hibs, considering they still have a good five fixtures in their absolutely run. yeah definitely they've looked fantastic value for money so far this season yeah um if you can find your way to either mcginnis which should be relatively easy or if you can 
maybe try and manoeuvre back to Nisbet. Although he didn't play at the weekend, he is still Hibbs's best striker, in my opinion. And it's Boyle must own? Boyle's a must own. If yeah. you, I believe that maybe not quite Tavernier levels of must own, but he was pretty close up there with must ownness levels in your first draft. Of the more popular big hitting midfielders, I think he's scoring the most points at the moment. He's outscored Kent, he's outscored Turnbull. And I don't know what uh, Christie's uh, percentage ownership would be, so I think he is the best performing, at least the most. Re- uh, you know, this is the best way of putting it. The most reliable. There'll be. Yes. A, I think it's a bit more rotation risk with Christie. With Christie. Yes. Most reliable. Okay, moving on then to uh, Livingston versus Aberdeen. Thomas, you want to kick us off? What do you think? I believe that Aberdeen made five or six changes. Um, they did look a bit like a team that had just made five or six changes, but they managed to grind out the win. And me and Harry discussed this earlier. That is the type of performance that a team like Aberdeen under Derek McInnes maybe wouldn't have pulled out the bag. They would have been sort of content with a one-all draw, but although their goal in the 94th minute was a bit fluky with it just pretty much falling through the keeper's hands, it's the type of win that Aberdeen of old wouldn't have been expected to win. Absolutely, and not to mention the fact that it wasn't like they went up, Livingston pegged them back, and then they went on to win. Aberdeen went down 1-0 away from home, and I think that this weekend's result may not provide much information, a little bit of information with regards to who's first string, who's second string, but just from the perspective of Scottish football and Aberdeen, it seems to me that there's been a very much a, a shift in mentality that they can, you know, go with a rested side, a rotated side, and still pick up results against ultimately sticky teams like Livingston um, so that's very good from a fantasy football perspective I think it was just worth noting um, that uh, Hedges was back in um, after the recent transfer speculation some managers are not so keen on playing their players if there are bids in for them and stuff like that but he played at the, he started again at the weekend and he starts tonight in Europe um, so eyes on him only thing I would really say about Livingston is like whilst they did get beaten, that's the second loss in a row, they've played Rangers and Aberdeen and haven't looked terrible in either. Nah, no. I can't say I'm going to outline picks from Livingston either. Neither, no. Okay, so we've got, uh, I think that leaves us with, yes, St. Johnston versus Motherwell is the final fixture of the game. This was a fairly closely contested fixture, um, like Aberdeen. Off the back of uh, what I'm sure was a very tiring midweek performance against Galatasaray, we saw a decent amount of St. Johnson rotation. I think they made five changes, whereas Aberdeen made six. With May starting up top, and from a personal perspective, it was nice to see Wotherspoon playing in the left forward role as opposed to central midfielder. Um, he was pl- providing a lot of good balls into the box and ended up getting put down for the assist for the own goal. Um, so that was quite pleasing to see. On the other side... Motherwell, Thomas, what do you think about Motherwell? They, they're they a surprise package. They narrowly got beaten by a Hibs, who we've discussed have looked fantastic. And they looked decent against that Hibs side. And then a one-all draw against St Johnston isn't a fantastic result, but it's also just not a bad result. Yeah, I went at McDermott Park as well. Yep. I'm to go and get 1-1. So Van Veen is definitely someone I'm keeping my eye on. I was tempted to think about Tony Watt but I'm looking here he got subbed on in the 68th minute so I think I'm actually going to avoid him but apart from that although they haven't been bad they haven't been fantastic so there is maybe one or two players that you could potentially bring in but 
because of the issues I'm facing with Jack Anik, I did. I was paying a little bit more attention to uh, some goalkeeping performances this week. And both Xander Clark and Kelly did very well. A lot of great saves from Xander Clark midweek and this weekend. And Kelly too was very good value. A couple of key saves preventing St. Johnson to go into win. The team that I thought on balance of things probably deserved to edge it. So I don't know. Maybe maybe Kelly could emerge as this year's Benjamin Seagrest. We'll wait and see. So, you know, we've sort of talked a little bit about who we've uh, got on the watch list. Um, but we're just going to rattle it off so there is a audio recording of exactly who is on there just now. Thomas, do you want to kick us off with the uh, goalkeepers? So the first goalkeeper is Craig Gordon of Hearts. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is the team that sat second in the league. Joint, I think. Jo- I think joint first. Third, I think the third on goal difference. Okay, so they, well, um, they were one of the better teams early on so far. Yeah. Um, but as Harry mentioned, defensively they haven't. They've not kept any clean sheets. Yeah, I mean they did concede to Celtic, and by that point Celtic, I felt looked kind of shaky themselves. Um, but yeah, maybe it's called a watch list for a reason. We're going to wait and watch for them. Uh, up next is Xander Clark. He's been good for me. Yeah, he you have him in your team as you record your main points. Yeah, he kept a clean sheet last week and got me three points this week. See, that's the kind of thing that you want from your goalkeeping position is like a clean sheet here or there, and then maybe if they're not keeping a clean sheet, a, bo- a bonus point. Yeah, he made point. he made four po- he made four saves this week, so yeah. that's him got me that extra point, which he might not have done had he not like if this was last season. Um, and then a third and final goalkeeper was, as I just mentioned, Kelly of Motherwell. Again, another player who could benefit from seeing these save points introduced. Okay. I'm um, going to rattle through the defenders quite quickly. So, um, off the top, we've got Greg Taylor and Anthony Ralston. Um, it looks like they've clicked very recently. It'll be interesting to see how they get on tonight. Um, if they keep another clean sheet tonight, I might accelerate my plans to bring in Anthony Ralston, even ahead of the old firm. Um, both players play very high, with uh, Ralston actually coming quite a bit further in and playing around the edge of the box so it could be good value in the final third combine those with the clean sheets you then got the Hearts defenders in Michael Smith and Cochrane um, they both usually play wing back but uh, Cochrane saw himself move to left centre back in place of the absent uh, Kingsley yep yeah, I'm a little bit wait and watch for uh, Hearts I'm going to wait until either a fixture swing which they do in a couple of game weeks or we see some clean sheets out of them and then, who does that leave us on the defense, uh, the defensive section of the watch list? So we've got uh, Sean Rooney and Reese Devine of St. Johnston. Um, again, they looked good value. Uh, both wing backs that play nice and high. I know Devine got uh, Devine. Devine got rotated um, this week. Um, but yes, yeah, so from the two of them, I definitely prefer Sean Rooney. Not only does he get up high, uh, he gets himself into the box as well for set pieces, and he's a big lad, so he could be on the end of uh, some corners of free kicks as he was in the. The two cup finals, leaving Leon Balogun 2.8 mil at Rangers. I think if uh, Gerard is looking for a like a snap reaction from his players, he's going to rotate a little bit, and maybe Leon Balogun at 2.8 million might be a very cheap route into the best defence in the league. And finally, Luke Carroll from Motherwell still is just on there for his two assists from the previous game week. Um, nothing more to it than that, really. I'm going to add one more quickly before we move on to midfielders. Again, this is. Someone who I'm not thinking of bringing in now or in the near future, but 
something I'm going to keep an eye on to see if their team and their defence starts performing better is Tanzer. He's someone that gets forward a lot. I think in the first game week, he was pretty much listed as a left winger. And this week, he was le- listed as a left midfielder. So, some, someone to keep an eye on. And we released the thread on wingbacks last week. He was someone Harry had in until he actually wrote up the the thread and then decided to leave him out at the last minute. So very watch-listable if he's not on your watch list or on your team already. I was vindicated, though, to a certain degree with regards to Tanzer because, as I said already, St. Marin looked very shaky from a defensive standpoint. So, yeah, just let it be known. Tanzer gets forward, but I'm I'm not going anywhere near him until um, St. Marin wisen up in defence, I guess. Thomas, midfielders, how are we looking? Uh, so, first of all, we have a Celtic triple-up of Christie, Furuhashi and Abada. All three of them, I think, could be good value for money. All three of them looked fantastic when they've been playing together. And Furuhashi at 5.6 million as a midfielder who is playing at striker and seems to have the first-team striker spot nailed down under Postacoglu is just fantastic value for money. Yeah. Um, an interesting stat that Harry told me before the podcast is that he is currently the top scorer in two leagues in two different continents. He is yep. still the top scorer in the J League with, I think it's 15 goals. 16 goals. 16 goals in 21 games. And he's now the top scorer in the SPL with three goals in one game. Is he your pick of the bunch? He's the player that I'm going to be transferring in this week, 100%. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I think so too. And it comes back to that sort of uh, golden egg, that three-letter abbreviation OOP, out of position. When you've got a midfielder that's playing at striker, that means he'll keep a point for clean sheets. You get an extra point for the goal. I think that's fantastic. And as well, at 5.6, he comes in as like at the budget end of the big hitting midfield price bracket. So, yeah, all eyes on Kyogo Furuhashi. I also think, yeah, I think that, as we said previously, quite, quite quickly... The Celtic double up in midfield might be on at some point in the very near future. Yep. Anyway, moving on to the next midfielder choice is Lewis Ferguson. He is a player that I think could play 30 to 35 games for Aberdeen in the league this season and just wouldn't be surprised at that. Um, He takes a lot of set pieces under glass. He's gotten a lot further forward. And unless one of the two strikers has taken it off of him, he is still their penalty taker. But... Aberdeen are yet to receive a penalty this season, so still not 100% sure on that. Up next, you have GMS, who is looking like the guy Mackay Stevens of six or seven seasons ago. He's beating players, he's getting assists, he's scoring, and kind of regretting leaving him at my team in my first draft. What I like about him as well is his playing position. Hearts are setting up in a 3-4-2-1, meaning that as opposed to being like very wide in the front three, he's playing a lot closer to the striker and to the goal. So I think we'll actually see, considering the way that Hearts are playing as well, you know, quite an attacking brand of football, we might see a few more assists and goals out of Gary mckay Stevens. Um, then a few players to consider who are a bit cheaper are Jamie McGrath, Charlie Adam, uh, McGuinness and Maguire. McGrath and Ab- Adam are pretty much on there just as a result of being either the penalty takers or on set pieces we were discussing maybe just removing all Dundee football club players just because of the 6-0 thrashing they received but if 
you're going to have any Dundee player. It just has to be Charlie Adam. Yeah. Um, I, I equivocate him to like James Ward-Prowse. Like he's a very dull, safe pick uh, in Fantasy Premier League, but he takes all the set pieces and he will end up the season with like maybe around about double, double digits for uh, goals and assists combined. Yeah, and he's one of the players that I feel, is, as a result of playing for Dundee, is least likely to fall under the rotatable category yeah. as they won't be as likely to be competing on as many fronts and lack of squad depth. Um, up next, we have McGuinness, who has replaced Scott Allen when he went out with injury, and he's just looked fantastic with two goals in... Yeah, two, a goal in each game. Go, yeah, two goals two in two games. He's looked fantastic and is another player who I'm really, really tempted to bring in in the near future. Then... Finally, we have Barry Maguire down here. This isn't purely, or this isn't as a result of him being a high sco- uh, point scoring player. He's someone that's played 90 minutes over the last two game weeks and is only 2.5 million. So, yeah, definitely someone to consider. When it comes to Barry Maguire at 2.5 million playing in central midfield, you know, if Motherwell were to keep a clean sheet and he makes three interceptions or three tackles or makes 40 passes, he's going to have a three or a four-point game week. So he might be one of those good players to have on your bench that will come off in the event of um, nothing necessarily happening with that regards. Like someone who can keep you ticking along nicely and uh, coming in at 2.5 million for midfield, that's very good value. Uh, want to take us on with four, Terry? Yeah, kicking off with uh, Christian Ramirez. I think it's... He is maybe, I mean, I guess not so much after he got rested at the weekend, but he looked electric in his first game and has looked very good for Aberdeen overall. Coming in at, fi- coming in at 5.5 million, I think it's a toss-up between him and Boyce, who is not necessarily on my watch list, but I understand he's on yours. He's very quickly becoming a fantasy football Scotland darling. Like He has scored, I think it's a goal and two assists in his first two game weeks, and Hearts have looked great going forward, so that's where I'm at with those two. And then, who have we got left? Yeah, two St. Mirren forwards and Eamon Brophy and Curtis Main. I'm not in a rush to get St. Mirren players in, but they have been combining quite nicely. And I think maybe if they can get shored up in defence and they can start putting the chances away, we might see a St. Mirren attacker in our in our team soon. And finally, Kevin Van Veen, after a very strong performance against Hibs and a reasonable performance this game week, um, he's on there as a budget option in case... Uh, Clark stops getting minutes however that's less likely now that the tank has moved on so up next we will be discussing our transfer plans for the game week coming and as I've already hinted at I think Kyogo Furuhashi will be my transfer and I'm tempted there's a little bit of me that's not wanting to but there's also a bit of me that is wanting to is to take a four point hit having three one pointers this week isn't fantastic um, but if I was to make one transfer, it would be either David Turnbull or Kent out for Kyogo Furuhashi. Yeah, fair enough. It's one of those things, though, Thomas. It's like the like the, one pointers aren't great, but context is important. Like if three or four of those one pointers all played ninety minutes or above sixty minutes, then they're not necessarily an issue. But how many of those one pointers are coming from players that didn't get minutes? How many? All three. Really? All three. Yeah. So, so at my. It was Ramsey who I'm not concerned about. He got rotated because he played two ninety minutes in the space of three days. But the other one was Kane, who hasn't played, who has been subbed on twice yep. at the weekends, and then 
the other one was Allen who took a knock. So it's not the end of the world. I can understand why these players were rotated and maybe why they'll not be rotated in the future. But I've not followed the one of the commandments that we suggested, which was pick players that are starting. And I've got three of those that have happened. Yeah, that's no, one of those things. Though. You just, I don't know, you said it yourself. Um to me on numerous occasions fantasy football is a marathon and not a sprint and i feel like game week two especially considering the fact that your game week average is uh, north of 60 points i don't think you should be in a rush to start taking hits but if you think there is significant upside then i would i would go for it it's up to you yeah uh, where, so where, where, where are you leaning right now hit or no hit no hit i don't think alan played tonight so there's a decent chance that he'll play start at the weekend but i'm not actually sure if that's true um, again with Chris Kane if they're not in European football he might be their starting striker but again it's they seem to be rotating their strikers a lot at St Johnston so I just couldn't tell you with regards to that I think he is going to be the transfer that isn't happening this week but it's happening next week fair enough I'm in a similar boat to you Toss I really want to bring Furuhashi in Furuhashi has passed my eye test twice at this point I watched the full 90 minutes versus Jablonitz and he looked very good value for his first goal Lo- lovely touch and finish and then he as we've alluded to previously he scored three and should have had double that he looked excellent and I think just as a fantasy manager that is looking to correct their mistakes from previous seasons, I have been over-reliant on stats and not been so happy to go with players that look in form and I just think that I should learn from that mistake and not overthink this one. Furuhashi is scoring, and not only that, he's getting into great positions and he's slotting in very nicely. So definitely going to be bringing in Furuhashi for, at this point, I think it's either Turnbull or Kent. Haven't yet decided in that front. And um, I might be bringing in Ralston too. I think things are starting to click. And at 2.3 million, he's the best value defender in the game. But it's definitely for Hashi, maybe Ralston. I think we'll see closer to the deadline. But that's it, I think, from uh, our transfer plans perspective. Shall we move on to this week's topic of discussion? We shall indeed. Uh, so we will be discussing how to deal with rotation of footballers with regards to Fantasy Football Scotland. How to deal with that rotation frustration. So first of all, it's going to sound obvious, but it's pick players that don't get rotated. Pick the players that or maybe are the club's captains, or maybe not the captains, but the leaders in the team, which will play the 80-plus minutes for 38 games a week. The uh, starters, like, yeah. I mean, we're two game weeks in now. You kind of have an idea of the best players, so absolutely. Um, next to that is just accept that some players are going to get rotated. You have five teams in Scotland competing on what they will hope is four separate fronts. Um so they're going to have to rotate they're not going to have play- they're not going to have 11 players who are able to play 50 games a season um these players are going to need to get rested and just accepting that that's going to happen is the best thing to do for your fantasy football Scotland and not panic when you see your big hitters only scored you one point because he got subbed on that happens yeah, I think when it comes to rotation, you have to weigh it up. So the way in which you decide whether the rotation is worth the risk might be dependent on price. So you went for Allen because initially you were quite happy to accept the risk that came with his rotation, considering that he ha- he is a player of quality. But he did fall further down that price bracket. If uh, Allen, say, was double that price, you would have no interest. 
So I think when it comes to your big hitters, you know, your Boyles, your Kents, your Turnbulls, you you want to get players who are going to play it five to six fixtures, like 60 minutes, five to six times out of seven or eight. I think, yeah, five out of eight for me is definitely not enough. You're looking for five to six out of se- five to six starts out of seven. And I think, yeah, yeah, we brought we 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 decided to, we we settled on this topic of discussion this week in light of both Ramirez and Ferguson um, being rotated at the weekend, and I and we have a few friends who have one if not both of them in, just considering the fact that they're thirty nine percent owned and thirty percent owned respectively, and my advice there specifically would just be hold. The other I guess type of rotation you'd be considering would be um, having a look at what strength teams have in certain positions, for example. Um, Motherwell at the moment are playing a sort of like a kind of like a narrow three up front, almost like three strikers playing, and they have five strikers listed in the game who I all think have decent chance of getting minutes. Um, so their minutes will be very much based on their form, whether or not they're returning, um, scoring goals and assists, and therefore their minutes will be just as streaky as their returns. So where a team is particularly depth that uh, de- has a particular depth in a certain position, I would maybe avoid for fears of players being dropped anything else you want to say with regards to rotation Thomas? Not that I can think of you got any more? No I think that covers it for me but the thing is absolutely is you have to it, it's sort of mine and your point linked together you have to accept that rotation is going to exist professional footballers are not there are very few professional footballers that can play you know two games in a week four or five weeks consecutively so I think an acceptable for your big hitters an acceptable amount of starts would be five or six out, out of seven you know any less than that then you have to Potentially move from big hitter finally we'll discuss our questions or question we only had one this week and it was asking us to discuss transfer rumors thanks at sati show for that one at sati show on twitter he's the guy we bang on about the fixture tickers what was his question thomas it was pretty much discuss transfer rumors uh it's a pretty open one but we decided to put our own spin on it and it's how can you deal or how should you deal with transfer rumours? And for us, we feel that you shouldn't listen to transfer rumours until the player is in the door, if that makes sense. Harry, I persuaded Harry out of getting Anthony Ralston as there were a million and one rumours of Celtic signing a new right back and Ralston has performed surprisingly well for Celtic and scored twice and kept a clean sheet making him one of the highest point-scoring defenders in the game at only 2.2 million. Yeah. No, that's definitely been my first biggest mistake of the season. Um, And it's one of those things, as a fantasy manager, all I can do is learn from it. Um, There's no point... I mean, I always wondered, like... like taking every rumor you see on the BBC Sport gossip column, putting them into a spreadsheet, and then like putting the green tick next to when one of them actually happens, and what is that percentage? Because as as everyone who follows the Scottish game or Celtic or whatever, Celtic have been linked with almost any right back under the sun. It's numerous at this point, and yet Ralston has not only been starting but playing well. Um, so I think when it comes to transfers in, I would say just don't listen to it until the player is in the door. I think Thomas is quite right. There's no point not having a player in with fear of a transfer looming over you. Ultimately, you can bring him in. If a player gets brought in and his minutes become sporadic, you transfer him out. What about transfers on? What about transfers in the other direction? Players from Scottish clubs looking like they might be leaving. Um, a great example of 
a player leaving a team is Shankland. But let's say we've travelled back a week and it's only a rumour at this point. Looking at players like Nicky Clark and Pollock might have an upside as they'll now be the team's main striker. But you can then also look at it as the other way around is players who will have been providing for who is wasn't a great striker last season but who is just a good striker might not be getting as many assists with a poorer quality of striker option that they're supplying yeah it's, a, it's certainly worth considering i think the, the best example i can't necessarily think of one in the spfl but in the premier league as soon as jack Grealish was linked with manchester city Myself and a whole nother, uh, like the vast majority of the fantasy Premier League community started papping their Villa Villa assets out of their side because Grealish provided so much for their team. So I would maybe be apprehensive about bringing in players from a team that are so reliant on a talisman that looks like he's set to leave. But as it stands, I don't know if they're... I don't think Shankland necessarily reached talismanic levels at Dundee United. Uh, at least from a fantasy football Scotland perspective, and as as it stands, I can't think of any rumours surrounding a talisman that would put me off players of any one team in particular. So I hope that answers your question at Sutter Show. Uh, Thomas, do you want to round us out and get us finished here? Sure. So this is our second episode on our game weekly review and preview. We discussed what how we feel our teams are doing and what kind of direction we want to go in. Discussed our our watch list with regards to players that we are looking at and then discussed how you can deal with rotation and transfer rumours. Anyway, I will plug our Twitter, at sffantasy.com. You can ask us twi- uh, questions there on our posts or DM us. You can also find our Gmail in the header. Scottish Fantasy Community at gmail.com. So yeah, if you want to leave us questions, just our Twitter or Gmail are there. And that is it for today. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. See ya.